Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast, brought to you by our friends at Skinny Water Culture, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, All Hands Vodka, and Orvis Fly Fishing. This episode is part of a new series of live recordings and events that we will be hosting at local shops and businesses located in some amazing fisheries. This podcast was recorded in Charleston, South Carolina at Rivers and Glen, which features my good buddy and everyone's friend, Paul Puckett, the artist slash fisherman slash musician slash model slash small hands and all hands enthusiast. In this podcast, Paul shares some helpful insights that he has learned from seeing the outdoors as an artist and shares how he has learned to embrace mistakes and blemishes along the way because perfection is boring and unrealistic. Paul also shares how he sees art as a window to show people the experiences and places that he loves. We also have a panel discussion with Owen Player of Rivers and Glen to discuss all things Charleston, since I'm currently working on a short travel guide to the area and selfishly was looking for some recommendations for my own trip. One of my favorite parts of this night was getting to hear a few of Paul's original songs that we've sprinkled into this podcast. At the event, we helped raise some money for our friends at Captains for Clean Water who have not only helped fight for better fisheries in South Florida, but also have helped their local community of Fort Myers following the wake of Hurricane Ian. Although the raffle is over, your opportunity to support them is not. Learn more about how to get involved at captainsforcleanwater.org. We hope that you enjoy. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective, live. All right. Hey, guys, thank you all for coming out to our first ever live recording that's like this. Big, uh, can we all thank Rivers and Glenn for hosting us and Owen for hosting us tonight? Thank you. Thank you, thank Owen. You guys. And Luke. <laughs> and the crew. Um, just to give you guys an overview, thank you guys for coming out and having fun with us. Just so you know, just a couple things. One, uh, we have a raffle that's benefiting Captains for Clean Water. They're continuing to do cleanup efforts from Hurricane Ian and continuing to do all the runoff issues with Lake Okeechobee. Uh, and this is like one of the best raffles I've ever seen as far as uh, the odds and everything. So just so you guys know, uh, you guys can continue to quietly buy raffle tickets during Paul's segment here. And then uh, we're going to take a break in about 20, 25 minutes, and we're going to go ahead and pull those raffles. Uh, so you can see all the different stuff around the table here that you guys can put in for. And uh, just know that your money is, is fully going towards Captains for Clean Water and the folks down in Florida that are fighting for that. Um, and thank you guys for just kind of making this a priority. We also have plenty of all hands drinks. Take as many as you want. We got some beer here. Uh, Costa sent over some fun stuff that you can fill up a swag bag if you want. And uh, if you guys have any questions and stuff, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But what we're going to do is we're going to film about 20 to 25 minutes with my good buddy, Paul Puckett. Can we thank him for coming out? Yeah. Drove all thank the you way so much. from his studio. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Western and Ashley, get your passport ready. <laughs> so we're going to have some fun uh, talking about art and fly fishing and a little bit of music. You're going to get a live performance from Paul Puckett in case you've never had that experience before. Uh, I know I know that Paul. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming. That's coming. It's coming. He's got his little hand here, so he's going to bust that thing out in a minute. He's a very passionate about small hands and uh, we're going to we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and 
just be quiet. And it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. Beep, 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 beep. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might, definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right. Well, hey, Paul, thanks for being at our first ever live recording at Rivers and Glen in Charleston, South Carolina. So thanks so much for carving out some time today and hanging out. Absolutely. It was it was a far little five minute. Uh, I guess about a five mile drive. So it was, it was tough to get here, but I did it. I knew there was all hands here. I knew there was free cold beer and a lot of people I know and uh, familiar faces. So I appreciate you having me here in my hometown, so yeah. Rivers of Glen, so thank you. Well, the last time we were hanging out together, we were with Owen Gaylor down in Texas, had a good yep. time, and yep. we just started dreaming up a live event where people would come together, and that's what we're in the middle of right now, is just people in your hometown coming together to have some drinks, talk, network, enjoy each other's company, and so thanks for helping put this together on your end. Uh, my first question is, one of the things that as I've gotten to know you a little bit more, and even today when you brought me over to your studio and we're looking at different pieces of art, I'm curious how your love of the outdoors has influenced and affected your uh, art and how your art has affected your love for the outdoors. Because one of the things that's unique about you is you don't just paint images of marshes. You actually love spending time fishing and exploring the outdoors. So I'd love just to hear about how that kind of feedback circle works. Yeah, yeah, I think the circle starts with just my love for uh, sharing, uh, sharing with people, whether they've been here or not. And I, I did that back when I lived in Wyoming. I did that back when I lived in Atlanta. And I especially do it when I live here in, in Charleston because this place is so spe so special. And, uh, and for people that have moved here recently or have never gone, there's people that have lived here for a long time and had never seen those special places in the marsh. And it's like a whole world away from the typical place that, that, that people experience downtown or Mount Pleasant or West Ashley. Mm -hmm. And if I can take someone up a creek and show them a redfish with their back out of the water at low tide, that is very special to me that I can share that with someone that has never seen that or who has seen it, just doesn't see it very often or doesn't have a boat. Like I didn't have a boat the first seven years I lived here. So I'm very, uh, I'm very, like leaning towards taking people out that can't experience that as much as I can, and then then you start painting and you start making these pictures of those experiences. Uh, I think the paintings are what can take people to those places hmm. without being able to get in that boat or uh, walk in that flat and. And, and I think fly fishing with art has been together since, I mean, three, four hundred years. There's paintings of guys uh, fly fishing in creeks in England with a dry fly from, you know, s the early 1700s, 1600s even. So I think sharing that on a canvas or a watercolor paper is extend extending that 
idea of doing that from just the actual fishing experience? Yeah, one of the things that I've learned as the the group that we kind of run in, which is predominantly sight fishing and predominantly fly fishing, although we both kind of get outside of that box a little bit. When I meet somebody that is that passionate about the outdoors, whether it's upland bird hunting or it's, you know, even if it's chasing sailfish, a lot of times I've noticed that those people tend to be really into food, really into music, really into art, that there's a certain type of personality that is drawn towards those areas and at the same time seems to do really well in the outdoor world. I'm curious from your perspective, why do you think there's so much cohesion between the culture, the food, the the music, the art in fly fishing and fishing in general? How do all those things mesh together and how do we encourage those in other people? Uh, it, it probably has a lot to do with slowing things down. Like in our lives, they're so fast. Uh, you go out and fish. You go out and fish for four days. Next thing you know, you're back at the parking lot, trailer boat. You go to the the bar, restaurant. You have a few drinks. Next thing you know, it's over. And I think the f- the the art side of it for me brings you back to that experience that you had yesterday, and you can slow it down by a drawing, like a sketchbook drawing. Like the next day, I'm still experiencing yesterday whether it was in a restaurant with friends drinking a couple beers or it was fishing, I can experience that again through art, and yet that translates to other people experiencing that as well. Now, whether they were in my experience or not, they can see my drawing or painting and take them back to maybe somewhere they were a week ago, a year ago, or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think, for me, some of my favorite artists the reason they're my favorite artists is because their painting takes me back to Wyoming in 2002, mm-hmm. like instantly. Uh, and I think that's what art and fishing and ex- those experiences, why they mesh together so well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's unique, I feel like, about your art, and part of that's probably just because I don't know enough artists yet, Um but when I'm talking to you when I was at, at your studio earlier today and I'm asking you about different pieces, it's not just like, oh, I thought this would be really pretty. You're like, this is this person in this place, in this situation. There's a story. And back to that makes sense with what you're saying about, oh, I want to share these experiences with people. So I'm painting a lot of real experiences that I participated in or, or had. I'm curious, do you always paint? actual nonfiction or do you ever paint kind of fictional created scenarios how does that work for you so three of the last paintings i've done like the one the print you saw today that big expansive kind of 20 by 30 piece of my my buddy harris dudley Mm -hmm. and reagan was actually there as well uh we were fishing to these two fish and he was we were on the boat he got out of the boat and went over there and when I'm taking that photo, I'm literally taking that photo with the sense and purpose of it maybe being a painting. So I'm composing, mm-hmm. and I'm not a good photographer. Like, a lot of my paintings are friends that uh, take photos. And I'm like, man, I've got to paint that photo because it's such an amazing photo. But for me, I usually take uh, a photo in hope that it's going to be a painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that particular case, this was a good photo for a painting. But most of the time... I'm usually taking bits and pieces from different photos. Now, whether it might be all in the same day, mm-hmm. like the lighting, and I get the figure from that photo in this this landscape, and the sun's behind us. Oh, i got to change the sun because the sun's different now. 
So there's a lot of like juggling and figuring out mm-hmm. how all that can work. But yes, I do take bits and pieces a lot of times from from uh, from different photos. But what's funny, you brought that up. The last couple paintings I did, like the one from when you were out in Texas. The next yeah. day we went. We remember when we prospected the beach yeah. with Owen. So the next day we went to the beach. And he's ca- I've got this painting of him casting to these three fish on the beach, and that's totally made up. Well, the landscape part wasn't made up. Yeah. But I put those fish in the painting, and that wasn't, you know, from the photo. And then I did that piece that you're talking about of Harris, and the guy that my really good friend Michael Paderewski that owns the gallery mm-hmm. that I show the paintings in, he's like, you know, you might want to stop putting guys with hoodies in your paintings because most of our clients, now most of his clients are in that probably – 45 to 75 age Mm -hmm. and they don't know what a hoodie is like what's Mm -hmm. a sun hoodie like i want my guys looking all you know 1950s and (laughs) 60s and 70s but you know and what's funny is those two paintings have not sold yet and they're two of my favorite (laughs) paintings i've ever done and he's like you might not want to like basically you're stamping a time on it if you put things like hoodies on these guys and because mr Dr. Johnson, that's 77 years old, he didn't know what a ho- like, he's not a hoodie guy, and he didn't want that painting because your dude has a hoodie on it. So it's just funny how little things like that can affect the possible purchasing of a painting. Yeah, I feel like to me, one of the things that's neat about looking at your art, and even I was reminded of it today in the studio with you, is sometimes when you're looking at art, it feels like people are just painting what they think people are wanting to you know kind of consume and then there's people who it feels like they paint from a place or they take photos from a place or whatever their art is it feels like it comes from a place that's like i'm doing what matters to me and i'm going to put it out here and see if if that connects with you for you do you find a struggle between trying to kind of paint what people want and then paint the things in nature and in the outdoors that you personally experience and find special Uh, not really because I think the people that would possibly buy my painting either want to experience the things I'm I'm experiencing and then painting or they see it and they're like, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to make things up. I don't have to say, I'm going to paint this because Fred Wilson from New Hampshire is going to buy this, mm-hmm. I hope. I don't have to invent things and do things. Like, I'm lucky enough, first of all, to be able to do what I do because I love what I do, and I, I get to wake up and I get to go paint fishing scenes and fishing friends fishing. and But, yeah, and I don't have to invent things, and mm-hmm. I know exactly who my target audience is, people that fly fish. Yeah. Now, I don't get on Instagram and do paid advertising. Every now and then I'll do something like that, but I don't have to, like, worry about who's going to buy my painting because I know who it is. It's mm-hmm. going to be someone that fly fishes and put it in the gallery or – put it on my Instagram page and usually it works out. Are there certain stories or trips when you think back, if you had to just say this was the most special catalytic formative trip, whatever, just when you think back to all the different stories that inspired paintings to you, what, what has the most meaning? Uh, probably the keys. Probably just because it's so easy and quick to get to, aside from just low country stuff in my backyard. I mean, I I paint a lot of low country stuff and uh, marsh pieces, redfish. But, like, I just finished a painting recently of just this big sky and just this tiny little boat and this water line. And you instantly, if you've been to the Keys, I think you instantly just know it's the Keys. 
and it didn't take much to, for that to come across. But I think I do a lot of tarpon painting, and I love painting tarpon. It's probably I probably end up out of ten paintings, six of them are tarpon, whether mm-hmm. it's a landscape piece of someone jumping a tarpon or an actual tarpon. I do a lot more tarpon probably than anything. So a lot of people know you for your art. They know you for Flood Tide. Some people know you for the Barely Live sessions. You're known for a lot of things around here in Charleston. And uh, But one of the things I think that's really interesting about you is your love for music, too. So you're kind of a little bit of a, a renaissance man, <laughs> as they would say. And I'm curious for you, how does music factor into what you do as an angler, artist? Kind of what what is what does music mean to you? Yeah, uh, it means as much as painting. It means as much as art and fishing. And I grew up with my dad. My dad was a, a musician and a flamenco musician. So if you're not familiar with that, it's that crazy Spanish, like just moving 100 miles per hour. Uh, so I lived with that. And so that was totally next level. But he came from a rock and roll background. Like my godfather produced ZZ Top's first three albums. And so I grew up with him always talking about that because he was always in the studio for that stuff. So I grew up with that music all around me at all times. And then... Uh, what it means is just I don't know how it it equates to being an equal part of the lifestyle, but there's nothing like seeing live music. Mm-hmm. Like to me, I love live music. I'll take live music over uh, an album, like a perfectly recorded studio album any day because I like the mistakes. Mm-hmm. I like the raw stuff that's happening, and that's w- and art is the same way. Like I don't like a perfectly done painting. I don't like super realism. I'm trying to get loose. I like the little mistakes and the little things that you look for in a painting like that. And I think that's just kind of how maybe they go together. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't have a good answer for that. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I think it's interesting that you talk about the little mistakes in a world where I think a lot of people feel pressure to project perfection. You know, I got to go out every time and catch fish. And I got to catch big fish. And I got to have perfect photos and I think there's something refreshing about seeing a piece of art or a piece of music that's really meaningful that's really good that connects with something and still has a mistake and in in a way when you look at it without getting too existential here and just getting too you know dancing around the fire I think there's a sense too that we look at that and we go me too yeah you know I'm filled with mistakes too yeah perfect's boring now uh Usually, you know, if you're a guy, your wife wants you to be perfect, but that, you know, it's just not going to happen. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, but I think there's something beautiful about the imperfections, uh, and that's usually why people like kind of love each other. You kind of love each other's imperfections. You kind of fall in love with that stuff. And I think that's just reality, and it's, it's just uh, what I love about even fishing. Like, like you said, like I don't have to go out and catch fish. I love to see fish. If I catch one or two, great. But I got my fish catching out of my system when I lived out in Wyoming. I mean, if you go to the Snake River in Wyoming and can't catch a cutthroat, then something's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So I got my fish catching out of my system a long time ago, So, which is a great attitude for saltwater because saltwater is a whole different animal. And if you go out expecting to catch a fish, or at least I I can't expect to catch a fish every time. I'm just not that good. But that's what – that's kind of my sense of purpose for sure, just – Go out and have a good time. If you catch a fish, it's a bonus, especially these days around here. Yeah, maybe just not to not to overly tie this together, but I feel like the sense of the reason that so many people in the circles that we run and why I feel like we get along well together, that like music, they like food, 
they like travel they like fishing well, is I think they, that day in texas it was you and owen and i <laughs> do we, we we listen to music and drank beers more than we even worried about fishing yeah you know it was a blast <laughs> it was a, one of the best days i've had it was great yeah and it's it's a lot of fun and i think that just goes back to the experience and yeah, it's all about the experience for it's, sure it doesn't matter i think that day too i remember that particular day being like man i barely got any video because i did put together a beautiful uh, i don't know if you saw the the video but i did put together a beautiful video where you had the little hand going through owen's mullet and i just thought that was art (laughs) in itself (laughs) yeah let's talk about my uh my fascination with little hands yeah i do want to talk about your fascination with little hands but before that uh and just thinking about art um and we're talking about less music and people going out. I want to hear a little bit of music. Would you be willing to do a little bit of a, a, a one song for us yeah. real quick? And we'll take a little music break here. Funny, I just happen to have my guitar. Oh, wow. That's perfect. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to play an original tune that some of my friends have probably heard before. Uh, this one's called Way to Your Heart. Gotta have sad words to sing the truth Wish I had someone and no one I could lose And I got caught with my lies in the jar Ain't going far with this hopeless guitar Takes one to know one, so I'm two, I suppose. I wish you had someone who walked out my door. I screwed that up on. The streets called my name, I was headed back home. They told me not to come back till I was scared alone. But I wish you would help me find a way. And I want you to help me find a way. I wish you would help me find a way, a way to your heart. If Perot was juiced up right now, we'd have a guitar solo right now. Well, tonight I decided to give whiskey another chance. Now my mind's black and blue from a 16-ounce romance. If you follow me, I'll probably take you on down. Never in a path to a broken-hearted town. I wish you would help me find a way. I need you to help me find a way. I want you to help me find a way. Find a way to your heart Find a way to your heart Guitar solo Or maybe fall in love like two loaded guns Smoke all clears, we just turn around and run. Well, maybe it's some sort of wild little dream. 
knew I'd seen you before and you're coming right back to me. Well, I wish you would help me find a way. Well, I need you to help me find a way. Well, I want you to help me find a way. Find a way, you heart. Find a way to your heart. Find a way Find a way to your heart Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. So I'm excited to do a little segment here on y'all's home waters, hometown, Charleston. Um, the first, the first thing that I, I want to hear from each of you, what do you guys feel like is the greatest thing that Charleston has to offer? Owen, will you, will you go ahead and start? Uh, well, man, I'd say the best thing that Charleston has to offer is, is an amazing fishery. You know, our tides here, they cycle out two times a day. Uh, one single oyster filters 50 gallons of water a day. So as far as redfish, you know, and of course, speckled sea trout, flounder, and seasonal species like tarpon, Cobia, Drac Cravel. I mean, our fishery, I think, in, as far as world-class goes, would be uh, a, a good way to say it. I mean, Charleston has a world-class fishery year-round, and that's what's cool is the tides are ever-changing. So between six and seven feet a day, whether you're fishing low tide, mid-tide, high tide, falling, rising, um, it's always changing. And with the weather and the conditions and the time of year, um, it's never quite the same every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's special, especially for anglers, you know, because an angler can come here and they might have been bone fishing in the Bahamas or tarpon fishing in Key West. But when you see a tailing redfish in the grass during a flood tide, uh, the phenomenon of that happening is pretty incredible because it's an area that's dry 75% of the time. But then somehow over time, these redfish have learned, hey, on a larger than normal tide, on a full moon, I can get up there and eat a fiddler crab. And then us as anglers, we can see that tail or we can see that push or whatever the situation is. Um, so it's it's pretty incredible. You know, I think it's special. And, and I think when you look at the city itself of Charleston and how much it's grown in the last 25 years, the fishery is still as good as it was 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. And Owen, sorry, real quick, could you give a little bit of background about, we're sitting here at Rivers and Glen, your shop, just about uh, kind of what you're doing here at Rivers and Glen and just a quick kind of overview of your history and how you ended up where you are today. You yeah, mean man. besides looking good, Hunter? <laughs> well, you know, we needed okay. somebody. Well, you and I were hurting show, it. So they can't see. I'm just, I'm here to spell it I out think, for I them. think the all hands have Paul looking at me differently. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I started, uh, I started my career in Beaufort, South Carolina when I was a 15-year-old kid working at the local fly shop. And uh, a guy, Tony Royal, was my mentor. I worked for Tony for uh, 14 years. I was a full-time guide for him for 10 years. And uh, essentially, the, the fly fishing industry has is, is been a part of my life for half of my life. Mm. Uh, it's what I live for. It's what I do. And you know, now with Rivers and Glen here in, in Mount Pleasant, um, I get to share that passion and that experience and, and a lifelong dream of, of sharing my experiences with other people and, and customers and friends. And, and I treat, you know, everybody here like their family because we all love the same thing. We all do the same thing. 
And uh, as you can look around this room right now, the community here in Charleston is special. You know, we all we all love fly fishing and we all love uh, conservation and, and, and raising money and doing things to give back, um, which is pretty hard to find. Paul, how would you answer that question about what makes yeah. Charleston special? Uh, it, it, what's funny is before you introduced Owen, like, like kind of let Owen tell his backstory, I was going to reiterate that Owen has kind of two different angles because he's from Beaufort, and that's a, t I'm not going to say a totally different world, but as far as boat traffic and fishing traffic, it is kind of two different worlds, and he is definitely someone that could tell you you know, the difference between like 80 miles away because Charleston has just grown up so much, even in the 11 years I've been here. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, and, but that's also what makes Charleston special. Like, I love it because I can go to the boat ramp at three, fish from 3.30 to six, get off the boat ramp and say to my buddies, I'll meet you at Royal American in 30 minutes. Like, I think the music and the bar scene and the restaurant scene makes Charleston and throw fishing in. It's like everything that I moved here for. It's mm -hmm. uh, the camaraderie. It's it's the social life. It's the fishing. It's just everything balled into one. And the first year I moved here, I gained like 25 pounds. And it's just <laughs> and I've kept it because I'm a hardworking man, and I've kept it. But uh, it's just that's what makes it special to me is the popularity popularity of charleston it's a double-edged sword but that's why i love it you get new people moving here all the time it's like high five hug so glad you're here mm. but yet you go out and three years later that person has a boat and they're on your flat it's like well that's just part of it that's just that's just is what it is and you come to accept it and you you find a way to love it because that's just charleston fishing and it's a lifestyle i mean people call it the low country and, you know, that was a name that was derived in the, the late 1800s because of the, the, the actual area itself, these lowland marshes and rice fields and all these things in the late 1700s and all the way through the 1800s. And when people see low country or they hear low country, uh, they think of Spartina grass, they think of, of oyster shells, they think of creeks, they think of, of a slower pace of life. And I think that's why a lot of people move here because of our lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, we're It's relaxed. almost like it's become more of a verb than it is like a thing. It's like low country. Oh, I know what you're talking about. That's that's how I want to live. Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of what we all live here for is because we live that lifestyle every single day. Uh, whether you're on the water or walking down King Street, um, it's special and it's unique. And I think that here in the southeast, as far as a, 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 f a fishing community or even a fly fishing community, uh, there's nothing quite like it because of the fishery and, and of the surroundings and of the reason it's called the low country is because of the estuary, you know, and that's what's special is, is like I was saying in the beginning with the tides and the pluff mud and the Spartina grass and the seasons, um, constantly it's a, it's a special place. And, and, you know, Paul's traveled a bunch, you've traveled a bunch, I've traveled a lot. And one thing I've learned is when I come home, uh, you can always feel it, you know, you can always smell it, you can always see it. And it really hit me hard where, you know, I lived in Beaufort my entire life till 2019 when I moved to Charleston. But I, sent, I spent six months in Russia guiding for Atlantic salmon in 2013. And when I came home and I got off the plane in Charleston and I was driving home, I put down my windows and, and you could smell it. 
and I could smell it for the first time in six months, but we live it every day. And sometimes you take that for granted. Yeah. You know? you know, sometimes you take for granted when you drive over four bridges on your way to, to work or four bridges on your way to lunch. What's funny is anytime I'm driving over a bridge, I don't care how cold it is outside, I roll my windows down. Oh, yeah. It could oh, be yeah. 20 degrees outside. I'm rolling my windows down because I just want to smell that salt air, whether it's moving east or west, you're going to take it in. And that's just part of it. And sure. what's really cool is a lot of the bridges you go over are areas where there's good tides or good flats for, for flood tide fishing. And a lot of times I'll be driving and I'll see a flats boat pulling or I'll see two or three flats boats pulling. Hmm. And I always think that's pretty special because it reminds me of, of Key West or Alamorada when during tarpon season and you're driving into town mm-hmm. and you see boats lined up on the good flats and it's kind of yeah. cool. You know, totally. It's pretty special. You have a little honk. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, sitting here right now, and obviously tonight we've been hanging out, and we probably had 40, 50 people in the shop tonight hanging out for a live recording. And yeah, my I bathrooms w- are suffering right now <laughs> from it. <laughs> and, uh, and we're having fun. And one of the things I was talking to Owen about earlier was I feel like great fly shops, outfitter, you know, shops – they have an ability to bring people together in a community and they're not just selling merchandise that people for the most part could buy online in an online world, but there being a place that people can come hang out, have a drink, put their hands on gear, talk to people who are in their community, talk to people who maybe have experience with the gear. And to you guys, when you think about the people of Charleston, this is obviously a friendly place. Like I was cutting people off and earlier today and they're just like, you know, in Florida, you know, it's, it's, it's different. When you cut somebody off, it's kind of just like a big game to each other, honking and yelling. But people are kind here, and and I'm curious to you guys. It's funny because I mean you're probably the <laughs> I've heard that I've heard that a lot. I mean obviously when you live here in this bubble, you're like no people here, bah. but for the most part people are kind here. I, I don't hear honk. I don't hear people honking their horns on my way yeah. to work. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I agree for, with you. For y'all, when you think about this community, and you know obviously there's a great turnout tonight, and a lot of good people here. What do you feel like when it comes to the fishing and, and outdoor community? What do you feel like some of the things that maybe make Charleston special or stand out? Um, I, I think even though people do and will rub each other the wrong way on the flat out there, I feel like at the end of the day, everyone figures it out. Like, hey, man, I'm sorry I did that. Like, I've, I've, I've been a part of more positive experiences when things go wrong than I have going back to the ramp and being slashed tires. Mm-hmm. And I've heard plenty of stories on both ends, but I feel like most of the time it ends up with a phone call. Hey, dude, I didn't know that was you. I found out it was you. I'm sorry that I cut you off. Like, I feel like it can be keys here, but it always ends up in a good, positive manner. Like, mm-hmm. people figure it out. No one wants to make anyone mad here. Mm-hmm. And there is enough of that sort of stuff that goes around where it's crowded out there. The boats, there is a crowd situation happening on fishing flats. And you have your spots and you yeah. have your areas. And, yeah. and guys will claim those areas and claim those spots. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like, I would say, like the Keys. But, you know, you have your spots, you have your places. And then what happens is you get to that spot and Joe Schmo's there. Or you get to that other spot and Joe Schmo's there. And I think that the confrontations happen on a hard east wind or a hard west wind or a hard north wind when the yeah, flats when, are when they're pers- even smaller. Yeah, you yeah. Know? 
Yeah. But not a sure. lot of confrontation. I mean, you know, in the shop too, one thing we really pride ourselves on is positivity all the time. And rarely do I have people complain about Joe Schmo or, or this guy or this guy. It's more of the guys that don't understand how it works. Mm-hmm. So a guy that just moves here from New Jersey and buys a new flats boat and goes out and, and fishes the same flat that he fished with with a guide two weeks before and cuts off another guide that's mm-hmm. fishing the same flat, that's when something can happen. But it's just education. People have to understand yeah. that you know, if, if you're within 100 yards of another boat, you might as well just find another spot. Mm-hmm. I was I went to last summer. I took someone kind of new to the sport, and I was so excited to take them. And I was like, man, we're going to get to my spot two hours early. We're going to sit there and hang out. I mean, one of my favorite parts of the process is getting to your your flat an hour and a half early and relaxing. having beers for forty five minutes. Next thing you know, the wa- next thing you know, the boat's floating. You're like, yep. oh my god, yeah. Dude. So you kind of forget about the waiting part. Mm-hmm. And so we were going to get to the spot a couple hours early. And there was a creek that went to the back side of this flat. Now, I, I would always come in on the uh, the river side of it. And I'll be damned if we get there. And there's a dude back in the creek, kind of the back door, as I'll call it, with a tower. And a, he's in the creek. He can't get up on the flat. But I was like, mother effer. Like, yeah. this d- I'm just sitting there talking crap about him for 30, 40 minutes. I'm like, who is who does this guy think he is? Yeah. You know, like, and I'm just negative, negative, negative. Water starts coming up, and he starts yelling at me, Hey, man, I ain't going to get up on flat. You should come around over here by me. And, like, next thing you know, he's being, like, the nicest guy in the world. And it made me think, like, I've been the biggest a-hole the last 45 minutes talking about this guy. And we ended up meeting, and, like, he was this redfish, like, tournament dude that lived, he actually lived in Florida. Mm. But he was super nice, and just it just it made me feel like crap a little bit because I was sitting there talking bad about him for mm-hmm. forty five minutes. He ended up being a super nice guy. That would have been a great podcast too. It's just Paul sitting there for forty five yeah, minutes talking was, crap about some guy from Florida. It never even affected <laughs> my day. Yeah, it didn't have any impact on anything we did. Yeah, but it's just at the end of the day, we're both fishing. He has an equal right to that spot as I do, mm-hmm. even if he's from a different state. I don't care where he's from, and it makes you reassess the rights we all have to the same water. I just want to take a moment to, you know, I feel like if your name is Joe Schmo, (laughs) there has to be a a Joe Schmo. I feel bad for Joe Schmo because (laughs) Joe Schmo is never doing anything good. S-H-M-O-W. And I want you to know, I want you to know if your name's Joe Schmo and you're listening to this, you are loved and you're accepted. Uh, Call call us, uh, (laughs) 1-800-696. Paul's going to give you, if you are legally Joseph Schmo, he will give you a free print. I can tell you that right now. Um, I want to talk to you guys about, so I'm working on a travel guide for Charleston, and I'm having a lot of fun here. And this is my first trip coming up here that I'm really focused on the off-water food, and I've talked with both and of you, you brought extensively. Your crew. Brought the crew here. And uh, I want to talk to you guys about if, if you can't go fishing in Charleston, what do you do? What are some things that you guys would tell people to do? Restaurants, bars, no, you got this. stores. You're in the heart of it, right? Are there any good outfitters to go to and maybe do a little shopping? What What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I would say you know in, in Charleston, the cool thing is you have you know a lot of great beaches. You have Sullivan's Island. Uh, it's a good day out there to go to the beach and then go to Humpty Barbecue for lunch or or a late dinner um, and grab a game changer. You know, you can go to Isle of Palms. You can go to Folly Beach. You know, a lot of good beaches. Um, if you want to eat some really nice, you know, good, 
breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You know, obviously King Street, Market Street, that whole area downtown is a, a ton of great restaurants and a ton of good food. Um, like Paul was saying, a lot of live music. You know, there's quite a few dive bars too. Um, you know, I, I think the, the possibilities are endless. I mean, my wife and I, we go out to dinner as much as we can to new places, and I feel like every week or every month, uh, there's always a new place to go eat, which is kind of cool. Um, and then obviously the fishing. I mean, the guiding community here is incredible. Uh, there's a ton of great fishing guides in Charleston, and and there's not one I recommend. There's not two I recommend. There's 45 I recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say if you want to go somewhere where you can fish, shop, eat, and enjoy a different atmosphere, um, it's by far one of the coolest places to visit, which is, again, why so many people are moving here. Mm-hmm. And I know we have talked about live music some tonight, but I will say in 10 years, nice tiny hand, Rick. Uh, in 10 years, this this place has become a destination for not just like weddings and bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, and people and vacationers. Like the music has gotten so much better here in the last 10 years. Like it's now a destination for huge acts and local acts, you know, statewide acts. It's it's a great place for music. If you come here on the weekend, you can plan on finding a venue and seeing something good. And like the Commodore, you can get into the Commodore on a Friday or Saturday night and see one of the most amazing soul blues bands that you can find. And so. I had a brunch today at Daps, and it was so good. And Owen, I think you recommended was that super a, cool spot. Man. Yeah, super great cool spot. spot. Lots I gotta go to Daps. I've never been to Daps. If you're Fruity at Pebble Daps pancakes. and you're listening to this, Fruity, can Pebble, you pancakes Fruity Pebble pancakes and a mimosa out of a keg. A mimosa. By far, keg. a good way to start the day. I didn't have either of those things, but I did have a good time. You're so pro now, and like, I feel I like know well, I'm, you know, what do I know? You know, we're not clearly you know enough. That's the thing. There's never like one place <laughs> that we can recommend where you go. There's never one place true, yeah. here, one place for there. I would say if I could pick five breakfast spots, five lunch spots, five dinner spots, that would be a little more accurate because there's not just one good place. You know? yeah. And that's what's cool. Well, and that's when you're fishing somewhere. The reality is you can't control weather. And so you have three scenarios. You have just, hey, we got to cancel it. We got yeah. a watercraft advisory. It is not safe. Like, that's I'm what's g- great about Charleston. But you can, if, yeah. if you, and then you got that middle ground that's like, hey, man, I'll take you out, but I don't feel great about taking your money. Yeah. And then you have like, hey, it's going to be awesome. But if you do have a day where you, you know, you get weathered out. Charleston's a great place to just run around. And now we're really selling it. We need to calm down on this a little bit. Bring, bring <laughs> this, this back a little bit. This podcast is brought to you by Visit Charleston. No, I fully agree with you, though. It's, yeah. it's the best town to get rained out in because you'll go spend eight hours doing stuff, and the next day it won't even affect you that you didn't fish. Yeah. Our, sh- our shop here, uh, Rivers and Glen and Mount Pleasant, is right on Shim Creek. So as you come on to, to Mount Pleasant um, from downtown, Shim Creek has a ton of great bars and restaurants as well, like, you know, Reds, Saltwater Cowboys. Um, and what kills me sometimes on a Saturday when I walk out my back door and I look over the marsh and I see four or five boats just cruising by, drinking yeah. beer, <laughs> listening to music, hanging out, uh, it makes you, makes you, makes you happy. You know? and that's, and that's the kind of cool. boat you have now is yeah. a hangout boat, <laughs> the family boat. And then you the see pontoon. a flats boat at like 6 p.m. and the sun's going down. You know there's a good flood tide. Yeah. And I'm always looking for tails in the marsh grass as I pull up to the shop. Have you ever seen one? Yeah, oh, yeah. Back here oh, you have? Yeah. You yeah. have? A okay. redfish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a have little. Have you seen a redfish, Paul? 
I'm still looking. I'm still I saw looking. a painting <laughs> one one time. Yeah, and I, I painted it. Well, hey guys, thanks thanks for hanging out and talking. Um, I'm I'm working on a, a guide to Charleston. I'm really grateful for how you guys have contributed and helped with with my experience here. And uh, thank you, Owen, for opening up your Brother, your store. Thank you, man. Yeah. And uh, Paul, thank you for opening yeah, up your heart. Well, one thing I want to <laughs> say, I'm super proud of this guy because ever since I've known him, he's so super professional. And like, there's always that line in fly fishing of goofing off and having fun, and and then. You know, he's just always had it figured out. He knows how to have fun. Mm-hmm. We went to Mexico, I guess, last year. Yeah. And I, I got to say, we, we fished together, like, almost towards the end of the week together. Yeah. And I've always just known Owen as the super professional just dude. But I knew he had we, – we've had some cobia, you know, back in the day. Had some good times. But, oh, boy, it lit up a heater. I hope I'm allowed to say <laughs> this. Yeah. And uh, the guide said, permit, permit. Got out of the, the boat with his rod and his reel and his heater in his mouth. And I just prayed so bad that he would hook a permit <laughs> while smoking a cigarette. Mm. It would have been the most amazing, iconic thing I could have ever imagined. What but a just painting. the fact that he tried, would, it would have been an amazing Maybe painting. you could paint that. Well, I, when you're, when you're That running, would be my fiction painting, which I don't have any of. To all the listeners out there, if you've ever run in waist-deep water full speed at 8.30 in the morning, hung over, after drinking a beer, yes. with a cigarette in your mouth, come and talk to me. That's fly fishing. Mm. That's it. That's like wrapped up into one, but I didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to say I'm super proud of this guy. Is he's done a lot of weaving in and out of all kinds of stuff. So Paul's like have, a big brother to me. Yeah, we're, I'm super proud of the store for him, and I love bringing my daughter in here. I just come in here, and I kill 30 minutes. Mm. I sometimes don't, I don't buy anything, but sometimes I do buy some stuff. But I love that it's here, and uh, so come by and check out Rufus Blend next time you're in town. Yeah, guys. Well, thanks so much for your hospitality. It was uh, I didn't expect anything less, but I'm grateful for it, and uh, I look forward to to growing old. And one day I'm going to grow up and be able to buy a Paul Bucket original, and I'm really excited about that day. <laughs> Might be him <laughs> holding a permit with a cigarette. In his mouth. Oh, I mean, I, I would sell my house tomorrow. <laughs> we'll have him sign it too. Yeah, <laughs> I'll sell my house house tomorrow for that one. So uh, I love it. I love no, it. thank you guys. I no, appreciate it. Thank you it for coming here and yeah, making Hunter, this thank all Thank you so happen. much, man. Yep. Thank you for everything you do, and and uh, glad we were able to support everything tonight for a good cause, and and all those guys for captains for clean water. And thank you for taking your shirt off on Owen's boat that day. That was mm. magical. That was powerful. I, I got stuff. some pictures yeah. and a slight video. I'm actually <laughs> I, the only reason I took the shirt off was because I thought maybe <laughs> Owen and I shirtless would end up in a Paul Puckett painting. <laughs> I don't think I got shirtless that day. Oh, yeah. That, Maybe that, one day, bud. Maybe that's a one different day. category of painting that Paul yeah. hasn't ventured into yet. But thank you, guys, and I look forward to hanging out again. Cheers, brother. Thank you again for listening to The Captain's Collective. We hope that you enjoyed this show. Help us out by sharing this podcast. Now here's one more song from Paul Puckett. your eyes covered never gonna see the light
And I can't do nothing It's got its claws straight into you Time you figure out your own way Gotta figure out what you're gonna do Yeah, what you gonna do Nothing left to prove Wrecking ball with so much to lose Yeah, it's everything but the truth And one's gotta go Is it the bottle? Is it gonna be you? This ain't what you wanted Not the kind of happiness that you choose Watching your life spin out of control Cause the shit's got its claws into you Yeah, it's got its claws into you Yeah, there's nothing left to prove Wrecking ball with so much to lose Yeah, I say everything but the truth And one's gotta go Is it gonna be the bottle? Or is it gonna be you? This is where a guitar solo would be. Solos you're gonna get. Every day, tomorrow's gonna be the same. 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 And then one's gotta go. One's gotta go Yeah, and one's gotta go It's gonna be Gonna be the bottle You Gonna be the bottle So I don't quite have that one refined yet, but we're working on it. Brand new one, brand new one. I got a, some work to do on that one. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.